0: Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we, of course, have our Eastern Michigan preview. The Badgers will take on the Eastern Michigan Eagles Saturday night at 6 o'clock in Camp Randall, hoping to get on the board with the W after, of course, their tough opening season loss to Penn State. On today's show, we'll, of course, talk about some news from and anything to take from earlier in the week before getting into our regular Eastern Michigan preview, talk about uh, how the offense will hopefully get some things going, how the defense, everything that matches up, uh, the same format that we had last week. And in the back half of the show, we have Zach Vanuzi of Eastern Michigan. He's part of the Hustle Belt Network. Um, He's joining us to talk about um, everything about this Eastern Michigan program. Uh, a very scrappy and veteran team, which will, I think, be a good test for Wisconsin as we get into the ins and outs of what makes Eastern Michigan go. Matt, how are you today?
2: Doing fantastic. I th- I'm just excited to see the Badgers get back out there and, and hopefully right some of the wrongs that we saw last Saturday. I know um, a lot of fans are kind of still uh, um, you know licking their wounds from that game, but I do think this is a really good opportunity for the Badgers to hopefully bounce back. How about you, man?
0: Yeah, I could I couldn't be I couldn't agree with you more. It's uh it's a game that I think will be a good test for Wisconsin and but also I think hopefully they'll be able to get some things right. You know, in college football as a fan base, when you're um, when you're waiting for that first victory, it can feel like a long time if you don't pick it up early in the season and, and all of a sudden the days start to feel really long. So hopefully the Badgers can come out and clean some things up and get a W on the board. But we'll of course talk about what they need to do to get to that point here in just a little bit. But before we do that um, let's talk about anything early in the week because I know we had our, our regular recap show and then of course the Paul Chris presser um, which was a little bit later. So um, before we get into the preview, do you, anything you took from Newswise or from from Paul Chris uh, press conference early in the week?
2: There wasn't anything too notable that Paul Chris or, or Jim Leonard had to say um, from that but but really the big thing is, um, that they knew what went wrong. Um, you mm-hmm. know, they, they went through and they, they were, they knew what it was and it showed up on film that they just gotta be better in, in, uh, the red zone. And that was the biggest thing. I know Paul Christ even said, you know, looking back, you know, um, revisionist he- history here that if they went ahead and just had, um, did a couple quarterback sneaks, they probably score 14 more points, right? Like the, that's the, that's the bottom line is, Couple of those fumbles, you probably don't have them if you're just doing a quarterback sneak, and um, so that's that's frustrating and and something that they're going to have to grow grow from. Um, I, there was a lot of talk about the running backs as well as the offensive line, which I think both are groups that are, are looking to have a good week. Um, Jalen Berger, a lot of conversation there um, as well, and I think the most notable thing with the depth chart, um, really the only shakeup was that Berger is now listed as or with um, Isaac Arendo going into that opening game. uh, Berger was listed as RB2, didn't get any carries. Um, We we mentioned before that he was just straight up on the sidelines um, and not really engaged in the game. He's he's got that OR designation. I I think there's a chance you see him more this weekend and and that there's more of a three-headed attack, um, especially when you consider the fact that the Badgers might have the opportunity to get up early. On uh, Eastern Michigan, if they don't let them hang around. So I, I think overall, it, I think it was positive because you hear, you heard players, you heard coaches all say that was a game they should have won, and that they've got to move on. And I think they're going to be fired up for the the chance to to play a, a pretty good MAC team that um, is pretty excited about hopefully having a better season themselves after kind of having a down year in 2020.
0: Yeah, I mean the the presser overall, like you kind of mentioned, those were the kind of things that that were talked about. The running game was the main focus. Honestly, that one <laughs> every week it feels like Paul Chris has a lot of words but doesn't really say all that much. It's just kind of a lot of mumbo jumbo. I would say this past one was uh, up there with ones where <laughs> the word count was high, but what he was actually getting to um, wasn't telling you a, a whole lot. But I think that was the the things that stuck out were were the run game and and now of course that. Designation with Jalen Berger and uh, Ches Malusi and Isaac Arendo. Not a ton of surprises with after what we've saw, and and hopefully um, we'll maybe get some more answers on where Jalen Berger is at if he can hopefully get some carries in this opener. But right now, I think you look at Ches Malusi. You really liked what he had. I personally really liked what we saw from Isaac Rendo early on. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how the carries are divvied up, especially like you mentioned, if uh, if Wisconsin can get out to a lead. And, uh, and really hopefully get some other guys in the game. But you've got to take care of business first. Um, but other than that, yeah, that was really the only, the only standout thing. So why don't we go ahead and transition over to our Eastern Michigan preview then because um, I think it kind of ties in right with the running game and we'll get into all that. But um, coming into this game, you mentioned a, a, an EMU team that is certainly going to be wanting to have a better season than what they had a year ago, 2-4 and four in the condensed max season. Um, you know, started out the year with with losing their first four and winning their final two, opened the season this year against St. Francis with a 35-15 to 15 win. You know, St. Francis is kind of a, a mid-tier FCS team, so not a ton to take from that opener. But this team, veteran-heavy, scrappy. You know, Eastern Michigan's just got that grittiness that uh, a lot of programs have in that MAC conference. But what are your overall feelings and expectations uh, heading into this game? Mm-hmm.
2: I think this is a game that you, you look at it on paper and the Badgers should take care of Eastern Michigan rather handily. You would, you would hope so, right? Like, I think that's what Badger fans are hoping for. Um, and I'm sure that's what this team would hope for. Um, but this is still an Eastern Michigan team that's taken down a Big Ten team three of the last four years. Um, Chris Creighton has, has done some really nice things with that program overall. And and really they, they're a, a tough get um I know some of those wins were against you know you're looking at it Rutgers Purdue and Illinois but but they do or have shown the ability to, to knock off um teams in the Power 5 multiple times over the course of his career um and and I think that that's something notable um for for people to think through that like this isn't just you know a straight up pushover team but but for me the the big thing my overall expectations is that Wisconsin's offensive line should get back to business. I expect the Badgers to be able to run on a team that's that really usually goes three or four guys down, but they go five defensive backs. Um, and so you're looking at a team who's going to be a little undersized, probably try to pack the box um, and force Wisconsin to throw the ball. That That opens up opportunities for this passing game to possibly get going. Think back to, like, that Central Michigan game where – in 2019, where Jack Cohn really had to throw the ball all around and, and did some nice things. That's what I could see happening in this game. But, but really, I just think that if Wisconsin's offensive line can get back in its groove, I just, I think that they're going to have the bodies, the size to just lean on Eastern Michigan and move the ball down the field rather easily if they can do so. Um, defensively, i I have very little worries about this Wisconsin defense against Eastern Michigan, um, because they're, they kind of focused on running the ball.
0: Yeah, you know, I think overall this, I think this is a really good test and a good game for Wisconsin to to have in this opportunity because of of MAC schools. You know, they're not they're not necessarily the the top of the MAC, but they're again a scrappy, gritty team, mid tier. You know, they're not the Akron's, the Bowling Greens of the world that that really struggle um, to be competitive. This will be a very competitive team that the Wisconsin should handle, but I think it still gives them enough to to really. Um, you get tested a little bit. and Of course, they were tested with Penn State in the opener, but I think this isn't just a game where you can go in and expect to blow out and, and then move into that bye week to get ready for Notre Dame. So um, I, I think it comes at a really good time where Wisconsin can bounce back, but also iron some things out before that bye week in Notre Dame. I, I would be a little bit more worried about this game if it was, you know, if Wisconsin won that opener, came in maybe looking ahead a little bit to Notre Dame in the bye week. But this now, I think this game will have their real... In um, full focus, so it should be an interesting matchup that Wisconsin can hopefully uh, take advantage of and uh, come away with a victory, clean some things up, because really there's there's lots of things to work on, and this will be a good opponent to to test you, but also hopefully you can get some of this stuff um, ironed out and cleaned up as you move forward.
2: Absolutely, I think I think this is like like we mentioned, this is kind of like that that net crack game that you can kind of get yourself back to. Um, what you think you can be this year and, and kind of gel at get some of that communication down. Um, I, I know that that was something talked about um, by Jim Leonard was that it, in that presser that, you know, last season there, it was so quiet. You could just talk to guys out on the field, yell out to them and do that this past Saturday. You couldn't right? like you had a, a, a raucous crowd that you had to kind of deal with. So I think, that Wisconsin's going to be able to kind of clean up some of those things. What do you think Wisconsin's going to do offensively to, to try to kind of move the ball against uh, Eastern Michigan?
0: Yeah, I think this the approach that they take is fascinating to this game because I, I mean, I look at it. You know, you could you could turn and hand it off to Chesma Lucy 30 times, probably win this game, pack it in, and and um, and not show a whole lot. You know, on tape you didn't show a lot last week against Penn State. You could probably win this game without um, doing too much in this Eastern Michigan contest and win, but I don't know how much that really benefits you moving forward. I think, for me, the thing that I'm going to be interested in is for Wisconsin to try and find a little bit more balance. Um, You know, of course, they did throw it, you know, 35, 37 times last week, but a lot of that was, you know, late in the game, trying to get back into it. And of the throws that Graham Mertz made, not a ton of them were were pretty. So I think I, I want to see how Wisconsin approaches the passing game and maybe throwing it more Throwing it on early downs. So I really think you got to get some confidence back in Graham Mertz. I know we've all had our opinions on on his performance, you know, thus far in his career. Of course, he's had some highs and he's had some lows. But to win this season and to get to where you want to go, Graham Mertz is going to be the guy that helps get you there. So you you really want to get some confidence back in him, get some easy throws in heading into that bye week. You know, he if he can put together a good game. I'm not saying to come out and you know sling it around 40 times, air raid it, open it up, but get some confidence back in the kid. You get some of his mechanics worked down. We talked about him throwing off his back foot a lot um, in that opener and getting some pressure. So I think that the approach they take is is really going to be telling of where they feel like they're at offensively. I I think, like I said, you could turn around and and hand it off and win this game, but I also think you really want to try and build towards something moving forward into that Notre Dame contest. So I think, I think it'll be a balanced approach. Try to get everybody, you know, click on it all cylinders, like you mentioned, kind of a net crack game. Try to get, you know, all 11 guys offensively feeling good, heading into the bye week. You can install some more stuff. You can work on things further in that bye week and then hopefully be set up to to really play well in that Notre Dame contest.
2: Yeah, I, I think what you're going to see is a heavy dose of the run game, trying to get the, the run game going. Really just try to get this offensive line Um you know, gelling and, and try to get them, you know, some confidence because they they were overmatched by Penn State throughout the game. And really, uh, to, to kind of go the opposite end, Wisconsin's front seven overwhelmed Penn State's front seven or uh, offensive line most of the game too. So it was a two-way street. But I think that when you look at this, I think Wisconsin needs to ground and pound, but then I expect them to try to take the top off the defense. I think you're going to see some play action, try to get the ball down the field, because that was something that just wasn't there against Penn State, and credit to Penn State in their secondary. They do have a really veteran secondary that's very good. Wisconsin's long pass play was 23 yards, which, I mean, that's not much, right? Like, they, they weren't doing um, enough to kind of force the ball down the field on Penn State and to really give them a threat. So I think that that's going to be something to watch. Can they, um, you know, break off some, some more chunk plays, even in the running game? Your, your long was 19 yards, so we just didn't see those chunk plays that the Badgers need, and and they had multiple longer runs. Like Chesmus, had a couple that went over 10, which is great. But you want to see can they break something um, open and really just try to to hit them with a big play because Wisconsin needs that. That's something that um they that would really help this offense because you saw them dink and dunk the ball down the field against Penn State at will for most of the time, and then they. They struggled in the red zone. If you break up a, a big play, you don't have to get to the red zone, you know. So um, I think that's something to watch here. Um, I, I want to see if they're going to get it. Kendrick Pryor involved more as well. You look at it, he had three touches. So your number two wide receiver had three touches, and your your number, or, uh, number two wide receiver had three touches. Your number three wide receiver had two touches. Um, and Danny Davis, Jake Ferguson, they looked good when they had opportunities. But I still want to see those other two get more involved, um, whether it's in the pass game or in the rushing game, because I think they just brings too much to this offense to, to not give them opportunities. And, and so that's something I'm also going to be looking for from this offense is, is trying to get the ball down the field, um, but also establish the run game and use play action to help you out with that.
0: Yeah. I think the, the main takeaway from, from all of that offensive discussion is just trying to get. You know, one through eleven. Everybody get some confidence going. Get that offensive line, Jalen. Get the running back up to up to where you want to be. You know, get the receivers involved. Get Grant Mertz some confidence. And I think this is a great opportunity to do so against a a quality opponent, but someone that you hopefully can can find ways to pick apart and get that confidence back. And speaking of confidence, I think one unit that's going to come in here fairly confident. I know we can you know hone in on the big plays from last week, but again, (laughs) you gave. Like you said in the, in the last episode, Wisconsin's defense held them to 16 points. You should win that game. So I think we're a little bit nitpicky um, as a fan base with focusing in on those. I think this defense comes in pretty confident. You know, like you mentioned at the top, I'm not super worried about this defense at all and how they're going to slow down Eastern Michigan. You know, I Eastern Michigan didn't throw a lot on tape last week, um, only threw the ball 22 times. Playing an FCS school, they really got in there and and got out without showing much. We don't know who's going to be the starter um, for them with with Preston Hutchinson, who's played a good amount of football for East Michigan, also Ben Bryant, a name that Badger fans might be familiar with, a former um, recruit for the Badgers years ago. So it's it's an interesting attack, you know, a balanced attack, throw it a little bit more, but they also like to ground and pound, take control uh, of the football. So. I don't really know if we need to worry about how Wisconsin is going to stop them. I don't think they'll have any issues with that. But how do you think they approach this Eastern, Eastern Michigan offense that um, you know, maybe doesn't have a, a ton of star names but has experience across the board?
2: I think Wisconsin's just going to try to overwhelm them up front. Um mm-hmm. you look at I I was really impressed by the front seven, especially the defensive line. I thought that they really got in the backfield and in and, and helped out the linebackers, helped out the secondary, especially in the first half. You you saw a guy like guys like Isaiah Mullins, you saw you saw um Matt Henningsen. lots of guys getting in the backfield and making some plays. So I think that that was positive. I thought Nick Herbig was was fantastic. You even saw Noah Burks. I thought he had a pretty good game as well. So I think that front seven is just going to pin their ears back and go after the quarterback, go after the running back and, and just really overwhelm, um, Eastern Michigan. I think that's got to be the plan. Um, just because you look out wide and, and I know that both of their quarterbacks are capable. Like they're both guys that can, are capable. Preston Hutchinson is more of a dual threat guy, most, more than likely would, would try to run if he had, if, if he had his choice. But, but you look out wide in Eastern Michigan, their top receiver, Hassan Beydoun, is, is a former walk-on that's about the size of Jack Dunn, you know, 5'8", 170 or so. So you're really looking at somebody who's pretty small. Um, when you, when you're going up against a cornerback who's bigger than you, um, that's not always helpful because he's not overly flashy in terms of speed. Um, they've got a couple weapons, but I just think that this is a group that Wisconsin can really attack the quarterback on, on passing downs and, and allow their, their cornerbacks, allow their safeties to, to be one-on-one and trust your personnel. So I think that this is going to be a game where Wisconsin really gets after the quarterback. And I think we're going to see, um, quite a few, um, havoc plays from, the defense, I think, because they want to get turnovers and they were, they've been close. Um, that was something Jim Leonard talked about was, was that Herbig was a little late on going for the strip sack on, uh, on Clifford last week. If they kind of get that a little cleaned up, that's, that makes such a big difference and can help out the offense. And, and that's something that this offense really needs, and we saw how beneficial it can be in 2019.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a great approach. Is just you know you've got the talent, you, you've got a ton of a ton of great guys in that front seven. Just go out and and play football, pin your ears back, and hopefully um, you know just continue to do the same things that you did a week ago. Again, we we can look at the, the big plays they gave up, but those were a few plays in an otherwise really great performance against an offense that. You know, has far more talent than Eastern Michigan has here, so I don't think there's any like deep dive, you know, what the matchup's going to be, anything like that. It's just you know, go out, play confident, and and try to do the same things that you did a week ago, build on that, and, and maybe just clean up a few little things. You know, the communication. It'll still be a loud stadium. Uh, that'll be a good thing to to work and iron out. Um, just uh, you know, trying to get create more turnovers, create more havoc, like you mentioned. I think will be a great approach. It's nothing grandiose. Uh, but when you have a, a successful game in week one, I, I don't think you need to all of a sudden go out and and try and and do anything you know that much crazier or that you know that new or make any big changes. So I think defensively, just cleaning up a, a few little things will will go a long way for them in this contest. All right, moving forward here in terms of a matchup or, or one thing that you kind of have your eye on, you know, either side of the ball what's uh what's maybe a matchup or a key thing you'll be watching for um, Saturday evening?
2: I'm gonna be watching the offensive line. That's gonna be the number one thing that I'm going to be watching just because I think they really struggled uh, against Penn State and that really hurt the offense in so many different ways. I think it led to a lot of the issues that we saw. Um, obviously, it didn't attribute to um, guys fumbling and kind of some of the the uh, mental errors that we saw from the quarterback position, but but at the same time, I just think that this offensive line needs to kind of figure out who are your five going into Notre Dame. This is a game, this is your last game before that moment. And I don't think that they can keep rotating eight guys in. I don't think you want to be doing mm-hmm. that at Soldier Field. And so I think that they're going to try to figure out, okay, who's their five, maybe six. I know that Joe Rudolph has has liked to rotate guys in at specific spots if he thinks the guy has earned those reps. But – um Teron Rush is a solid edge rusher that they have that can can get in there. He led the team in sacks last year. He started off this season already with three quarterback hurries in a sack. So I'm interested to watch how he does against um, Tyler Beach. I think Beach will be the first to admit, and I mean he even already did, that that was a really poor performance by him as he was kind of trying to get off some of the rust. So I'm watching can that offensive line kind of establish themselves Use their size. I mean, they're so much bigger than Eastern Michigan's front, especially with the fact that Eastern Michigan usually goes um with a, a four-two-five. So I think that that this is a chance for the offensive line to try to figure out their top five or six, whatever it might be. But you can't keep rolling eight throughout the game. Um I just don't think that that allows you to get down the rapport, the communication that you need to be a top-flight offensive line in the Big Ten. So I think that's what I'm going to be watching is, is Teron Rush versus Wisconsin's offensive line.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's the great thing, and, and the main thing to look for is is who gets settled um, on that offensive line because really going into, like you mentioned, you don't want to be rotating eight guys you know, coming into this game. You've got to feel good about, um, you know, you, you feel like you've got the size, the athleticism, everything, advantage there, but you still need to get settled into who you think that group's going to be because really – if the offensive line is cleaned up, I think you'll you'll notice a lot of other things also cleaned up, and that's not putting the whole blame or onus um, from this past Saturday's performance on the offensive line, but that's a huge part. I know everybody looks to Graham Murch, he didn't play well, and the passing game didn't do very well. But part of that falls, to, you know, it all the responsibility falls a little bit on everyone. So getting that offensive line cleaned up is really going to be um, important as they move forward. And, and I think the matchup, the other thing that I'll be watching for. Is, is plays in the red zone and just cutting out you know, little mistakes. You know, you can, you know, of course in a game like this, you can maybe afford some some mistakes, but you don't want to have that. And, and this group has, like has, uh, we've talked about, they've, they've beaten Big Ten opponents on the road before. They're a scrappy veteran team. You don't want to let them hang around. So trying to take advantage of that, scoring in the red zone. You know, Eastern Michigan is, is the team. It's, a, it's actually an incredible stat. They've scored on their last 33 red zone trips dating back to 2020. So Wisconsin could take a few notes from them trying to find the end zone and making sure they're putting points on the board because they struggled at it. And, and on the other side, Eastern Michigan has has made some stops um, over that stretch in the red zone, doing a good job defensively. Um, you know, when you look at this team, I think they're really susceptible to big plays. So just making sure that all that's cleaned up, that hopefully they can hit on and and take advantage of, of when they get down in that red zone, which is going to be so important moving forward into Notre Dame, big 10 play. You got to put points on the board when you're down there. Cause there's sometimes you don't get down there very often. So I think that's going to be the, the thing for me, finishing drive, scoring points, taking advantage of, of this game and really making sure that that portion of the game is also cleaned up.
2: Yeah. I, I think another matchup that I'm going to be interested in is, is, and it goes along with that offensive line. I think all of Wisconsin's questions right now on the offense, right? Like, we, we can talk about kind of those big plays that defensively, but overall, like you said, they did enough to win that game. But can they bust a big play within the running game too? Like mm-hmm. we saw Chesmu Malusi was an arm tackle away from taking to the house, and that's been my biggest critique of kind of the last couple of years with this Wisconsin rushing attack outside of JT. Um, and JT's special, but I, I you haven't seen those big plays out of the running game that you've seen in the past. Um, I, I kind of was doing some digging with our matchups, and I noticed that Wisconsin hasn't had a, a 40-yard rush since Bradrick Shaw against Michigan in 2019, and they haven't wow. had a 50-yard rush other than the twenty six since the 2016 Big Ten Championship. Now, those are numbers taking out um, Jonathan Taylor, but that's 825 carries that have happened that were not Jonathan Taylor carries, and that's more runs than Melvin Gordon. James White, Corey Clement, and P.J. Hill had their entire careers. So it's not like there hasn't been opportunities for those big plays. So Wisconsin needs that. That's such a huge part of their offense is when they can get those big plays on the ground. Like I said, Ches Malusi was literally a shoelace away um, uh-huh. on Saturday, and I, I just want to see that as well. Can they make that one tackler miss and go? Um, and I think Malusi can. I think he's the of the backs. I think he gives them the best shot of that I know Isaac Rendo is an absolute speed demon. Um, but I do think that Malusi's shiftiness gives them that chance. But can they do that is another thing I'll be watching. And I think it goes along with the offensive line, opening up those holes for them and creating opportunities.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great point. A fascinating stat when you look at um, you know the numbers in that way. You know, Wisconsin just um, going against a team again that has given up some big plays, nine touchdowns over twenty five yards um, last year, so hopefully you can bust some of those runs um, and, and, once again, get some things established as you move forward here. All right, with that, which players will we be talking about
2: come Sunday morning? It's going to be Grant Mertz. Like, it's, it's no matter what, the entire world will be... All in favor of Graham Mertz are absolutely ready to grab their pitchfork. Um, just based off of um, Wisconsin message boards and Twitter, uh, that's, that seems to be the trend. So I think it will be Graham Mertz. I think um, whether good or bad, it's gonna. that's who we're going to be talking about. But I do think that um, we'll see um, a, a solid game out of this defense. I think that Nick Herbig will have a big game personally. I just think what we saw from him against some really good tackles that Penn State has um, should lend itself to what he can do against much lower competition. So I think he's going to have maybe multiple sacks. I think that he's going to be a guy that could cause something and really open this game up for them defensively.
0: Yeah, I think defensively, that's the name you have to go to. He played, you know, he, he showed that he's got um, you know, he's gotten a lot better since where he was at last year. He was a really good player last year, so I think a guy like him coming off the edge can hopefully get home and, and make some of these plays. Of course, you're going to be without Leo all again, who is the guy that we were looking for for some of these flash plays to kind of happen. Nick Kerbig maybe shoulders some of that load and, and makes it a little bit better. I also think uh, maybe a guy like Scott Nelson, uh, of course, the secondary had a rough game. Um, hopefully he can bounce back. Maybe maybe they, they, they pull an interception um, you know, get after getting after the quarterback. Maybe some hurries. Throw, you know, rushes. One of whoever's going to play for them, probably both of them, will hopefully be 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 coaxed into some mistakes by by being hurried by this linebacker group and, and this defensive line, and hopefully the secondary can take advantage of of some plays as well. So those two, I think, are, are names you could watch for defensively. Offensively, I agree. I think it's going to be Graham Mertz, but I'm going to say I think it's going to be in a positive. You know, I I, I hope that. He gets some throws to get some confidence back, gets some confidence in the fan base back, and and feeling good heading into, uh, of course, the bye week to get ready for that Notre Dame contest. Because I know right now the confidence is definitely not there, and that's something you want to bring back as you move forward here. Because, once again, he's going to be the guy that uh, you're going with, um, that if he has success and and if you want to get to where you want to go, he's going to be the name that uh, you're going to want to ride with and and need to play better than than what he did this past Saturday.
2: Yeah, and I think if we are talking about Graham Mertz in a positive light, a big reason for that is probably going to be the play of Danny Davis. I think you look at his stat line last week, and he did his part for this offense, helped them out in a lot of ways, made some some catches that didn't need to be nearly as hard um, that he he made for this team. I think he might be primed for a big game as well, and I think people might start talking about him a little bit more based off of this game if he's able to put it all together.
0: All right, to wrap up uh, the, the Wisconsin talk before we get into our Big Ten predictions for the week, let's get into our final score predictions for this contest. How do you have um, Game 2 for the Wisconsin Badgers shaking out?
2: I, th- I think Wisconsin's defense is going to help them out and put them in positive situations. So I know in your betting preview, you talked about the fact that Wisconsin struggles to cover in a lot of these games. You know, you, you think back to, you know, Florida Atlantic and some of the other games where this kind of fits that same mold. Um, but I, I just think that Wisconsin's going to do enough defensively to keep Eastern Michigan really off the board. So I'll think, I'll say that the Badgers win 31 to seven, maybe.
0: Yeah, I like that. I just, you know, I think Wisconsin in terms of number is interesting. You know, I know like right around 31-17, but I also don't really know if I see this defense giving up 17 points. You know, the way they played, it's hard for me to see. You know, holding Penn State 16 to all of a sudden give up 17 to Eastern Michigan is tough. So I've been kind of going back and forth. That, You know, that's the, the number I threw out was 34-17. But once again, I don't feel great about that because I just think this defense is going to be um, – I think unless it's late in the game, maybe they punch in one more touchdown. But I just—it's hard for me to say. Yeah, you know, Wisconsin's defense, with the way they looked last week, is going to give up—you um, know, 17 points that way. But for now, um, I'll go with that prediction: um, 34-17. Hopefully, Wisconsin right some right some wrongs offensively and, and continues to play well defensively as they uh, pick up a, a big and important W heading into that, or heading into, of course, the bye week. Boy, All yeah. right, with that. Let's go into um, some Big Ten predictions real quick. Of course, last week was a somewhat chalky week, but you saw um, UTSA upset Illinois, um, and then everybody else. Of course, Maryland picked up a big win. Michigan State knocking off Northwestern. Um, this week, the Big Ten slate: um, Some good games, some not-so-good games, but uh, we'll, we'll go through that. Of course, the... Um, Badger game is on Saturday, and then the big marquee matchup on Saturday uh, across the conference is Iowa taking on Iowa State. So who do you like in that matchup to open our Big Ten predictions?
2: I think that's going to be a really good game and a really mm-hmm. fun one to watch. Um, I'm going to go with Iowa State. I know they had a, a pretty big letdown. They, they barely skated by Northern Iowa, but I just think Jack Trice Stadium late afternoon kick that place uh, is is one of the tougher places to and really underrated place um to play so i think that it's going to be hostile i think that iowa state this is the year that they take down the hawkeyes um and i think that that's going to be a a big feather in the cap for um that coaching staff who who has struggled to get over the hump against iowa
0: yeah I- I, it's fascinating. You know, the last, um, you know, five ga- five games in this contest have gone to Iowa. I have to agree with you. I think eventually you got to get over this hump. Um, you know, the, the earlier I, I know a lot of people have, you know, with you and I and, and struggling to get past them. That's just kind of how Iowa State operates. Maybe they're trying to not put a ton on tape, and all of a sudden um, you were in a, a dogfight against U and I. So I, I do think, you know, right now everybody's buying Iowa high selling off the the Iowa State stock. Sometimes you can't overreact to one week. So I'm going to go with Iowa State as well. I think game day, the atmosphere will be, um, you know, on another level as you move into, um, you know, this this college game day Saturday afternoon. All right, next we'll go to the other marquee matchup, of course, is, um, you know, really three really big games in this conference. So we'll go with this next one. Washington traveling to the big house to take on Michigan. Michigan, of course, picking up a big win in Week One against Western Michigan, but lost wide receiver Ronnie Bell for the season, so that's a tough blow. Who do you like in that matchup?
2: Yeah, that injury is is a big one because he he was their top wide receiver and, and really their biggest threat on the entire offense. But but Washington's another team who who kind of laid an egg. I mean, they they got beat by Montana last week, who's an who's a good FCS program, but at the same time, that's still an FCS team um and and i just don't think that washington has enough offensively to to take down michigan so i'm going to go with the home team and say that michigan wins um fairly easily i think i thought that this game would be tough would be better but man that that performance last week was, was pretty rough
0: yeah this one's fascinating to me because i mean it's uh it's a game where i thought washington was going to be pretty good but you've got to you know they got a good defense and got to score points um but but for me I don't know why, but I'm drawn to to taking Washington in this one. I wonder if if maybe a quarterback change um, possibly in the works. Of course, um, Washington's got some high recruit high recruits in that quarterback room that have not played yet, um, and of course Morris last past week looked pretty rough. Maybe that's a switch there. Um, I, I I think wa- I'm going to take Washington here. I, I in the betting circuit uh, plus seven. I like it there. Uh, just maybe a buy low spot on the Huskies because I. I don't I hope they're not as bad as uh, they were a week ago cuz I think I had some high expectations for them in terms of possibly winning the Pac-12 North and so far they have not looked like that. All right. Do, do you think, think they go to Sam Heward in the game? I, I think so. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think possibly, you know, if is it Dylan Morris, is his first name Dylan? Um yes, if he yeah. struggles once again, yeah. I think eventually you've got to just go to your to your guy. You, know, you might see a similar situation with Anthony Brown and Ty Thompson in Oregon, where you, you've got to you, you want to win this game. If if all of a sudden your your highly recruited kid gives you a chance to win, maybe you go to that. But I, I see this Michigan and, and Washington game just being maybe a, a slugfest, grind it out type game, um, and and maybe the the Huskies pull an upset in that by low spot. So okay, I like it. Hello. All right, the the big matchup uh, is, of course, a game that a lot of us have been waiting on for years. Everyone was looking forward to this matchup in Eugene last year, of course, got canceled. Oregon now traveling to Columbus to take on Ohio State. Who do you like in that one?
2: I'm going to ride the Buckeyes with that all day long. Um, I think really the injury status of Kayvon Thibodeau, who's maybe the best defender in the entire country, uh, maybe the best player all around in the entire country. We saw what he did against the Badgers in 2019 that Rose Bowl as a freshman. So I think if he's there, I think it it helps Oregon a little bit. But really, I just think that their offense, the Ohio State offense is too good. And I don't don't trust Oregon's offense whatsoever. Um, I think I would feel better about it if they had Ty Thompson, the um, freshman quarterback playing. But Anthony Brown, the B.C. transfer just doesn't do it for me. So I'm going to go with Ohio State by whatever points they got.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a game where, where C.J. Stroud comes in and really settles in. You know, I know we look at his, his first half against Minnesota last week, and, and he didn't play great. But still, all he's got to do is just get the ball to the various disposable of weapons he's got. Um, so I think Ohio State takes care of business here at home. And, um, and maybe, like you said, this might be a game that I think you know coming into the game is, is fascinating, but um, maybe Ohio State just really gets the momentum going and, and rolls, and, and next thing you know, they've got 40, 45 points on the board and, and are, are coasting through uh, an Oregon team that still maybe has some question marks. All right, up next we'll do Illinois and Virginia. Maybe an underrated game on the slate. Of course, Illinois trying to bounce back off after their loss to UTSA. Who do you like in that one?
2: Give me Virginia. Give me the home team. Um, I, I don't trust either of these teams, really. We both feel as though that um is going to have the Illinois team playing better, and I do think that it's going to be a close game. The only game that Virginia's had is um, William and Mary, who they just blanked, which is a good FCS team traditionally. But I just think that this is a game that um, two teams that aren't expected to be all that great this year, I'm going to just run with the home team
0: yeah I have to agree with you there it's 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 not i mean we've seen two games with Illinois and one was really good and one really wasn't super pretty um not really sure what to make of either of these so it's hard to to pick against the team when you just don't know what they've got right now um with Artitowski at quarterback it just didn't look uh quite the same so I'll go with Virginia but uh really I could see this one uh possibly going either way. All right, up next we've got Miami of Ohio traveling on the road to take on Minnesota. Of course, the Gophers now is out running back Mo Ibrahim, so a tough loss for them. Who do you like in this one?
2: I think Minnesota will still have plenty. Um, they got a decent backup running back in pots, but um, you hate to see an injury like that, um, albeit um, to the Gophers, but I think they still have plenty to take down Miami of Ohio this week.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do now offensively now that uh, that Ibrahim is gone. Maybe you know try to throw the ball a little bit more with, with uh, the weapons that they've got. Uh, but still, a dev- devastating loss, something you don't want to see at all um, for a player of his caliber, a lot of fun to watch. Um, and I was looking forward to see what he could do in the Big Ten once again this season. All right, up next, Rutgers and Syracuse. Uh, another, I think, a sneaky good game here. Uh, of course, Rutgers coming off a big win over Temple in Week 1. Who do you like there?
2: That's a tough one. Um, you, you look at the matchup, and um, between the two, you don't really know what you have. I was surprised that Syracuse um, went ahead and beat Ohio last week. I, know that, I think Ohio was like the trendy pick to win in that game at home. But um, in the end, I'm going to once again go with the home team here. I'm not buying that Rutgers is all of a sudden a great team. Um a lot of those their points came because of their defense. So I'm going to go with Syracuse, but really I could see Rutgers also just dominating as well.
0: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with Rutgers. I'm starting to maybe this will come back and bite me, but I'm starting to buy a little bit of of the Greg Schiano return. Maybe it's still too early, but um, and, and maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit early, but this will this will make JJ our, our writer happy because I know he's been um, clamoring for that Rutgers is, is starting to become back. So I'll go ahead and take Rutgers just for for conference pride's sake, but it's it's crazy to think that Rutgers is is going into the carrier dome as almost a three point favorite. Um, you know it's just a, quite a turnaround uh, from where they were even in, in the depths of, of of a struggle program for so long. Speaking of struggle programs, Purdue traveling on the road to take on UConn, who uh, is, is all sorts of in flux. Who do you like in that matchup?
2: Oh, God. Anybody playing <laughs> UConn, you go with them. So <laughs> Purdue's going to wax them. It's not even going yeah. pretty.
0: Yeah, we don't need to spend too much time there. I think Purdue and, you know, and UConn already getting rid of Rad- Randy Etzel is. Uh, they're in for a long, long season. It's a I hot think so. mess. Yeah. A hot mess. Maybe we need to go back to the FCS, UConn. I, I, we'll, we'll see how they shake out. But. Um, we'll move on to the next one. Ball State traveling to Penn State, uh, scrappy Mac team once again. Um, who do you like in that one?
2: Penn State all the way. I think they're gonna. They have too much talent for Ball State to contend with them.
0: Yeah, I think there's. That's one you don't have to spend once again too much time on. Maybe in terms of the spread, you look at Ball State. It's a good Mac team. Of course, Penn State coming off a big win on the road. They've got Auburn coming up, so maybe they can hang within the number. But I don't see any sort of upset happening there. All right, up next, another MAC and Big Ten matchup with Buffalo taking on Nebraska. Who do you like there?
2: Um, I, th- I think Nebraska will win, but I do think that Buffalo is a pesky team that could put up a fight. Um, they dropped 69 on Wagner, which is, you know, once again an FCS pro opponent, but but man, they are not afraid to go out and play some good teams. Buffalo's got Nebraska and Coastal Carolina on their their non-con schedule this year, so that's um, kudos to the Bulls for doing that. But I'm going to go with Nebraska to pull it out.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you there. Nebraska at home and, and Buffalo was a team that with Lance Leopold leaving, got you know, taken the whole staff almost took off on them. So that's a team I'm kind of trying to stay away from early on in the in the season because I just don't know what they've got. So I think Nebraska will will take care of business there and, and pick up another victory. All right, that wraps up the power for the you know the big matchups. The the other ones we've got Youngstown State traveling to Michigan State, Indiana State traveling to Northwestern. Howard traveling to Maryland and Idaho, traveling to Indiana. I'm guessing we're going to go talk across the board on there, but uh, anything from those four games.
2: You can literally go to that Indiana State-Northwestern game right now for $2 a ticket. (laughs) such a bad game, um, and Ryan Field is such a snooze fest anyways. But, yeah, all all those games, the Big Ten teams are going to be pretty big favorites, um, so I, I don't have any... Any qualms going with the the Wisconsin, or going with the Big Ten teams in these?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. We'll go chalk across the board on on those four, and we'll see if any sort of upset shakes out. I, I couldn't even point you to which one. Probably that Indiana State Northwestern because that that Northwestern team looked looked all sorts of bad, and and you know I I, I think uh you know I, I think they'll handle their business, but maybe that's the one you could circle that could be a little bit in, intriguing, and, and maybe Youngstown in state against Michigan State as well. All right, that wraps up our portion of the, the podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our uh, deep dive into Eastern Michigan. Now we've got a chance to get a little bit um, deeper of a look at the Eastern Michigan Eagles with our preview with Hustle Belt. So stick with us through a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into that.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to stay for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: All right, Badger fans, we are now joined by a guest from Eastern Michigan, part of the Hustle Belt Network over there. Make sure to check their work out. They do a ton of great um, articles and write-ups on the MAC Conference. We have Zach Newenzi. Excited to have him on. We always like talking some MAC football. I'm a huge fan of MACtion, so Eastern Michigan and the entire MAC Conference have a very dear place in my heart, and I'm excited to have him on to talk about a a scrappy and, uh, and, and tough Eastern Michigan team. Zach, how are you today?
1: Oh, pretty good. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, very excited to talk uh, Mac and Big Ten football, you know, and uh, being here in Southeastern Michigan, uh, you know, right in the heart of the Big Ten country and then also the Mac country. So to kind of have those two uh, interlined is, is pretty special.
0: All right. Well, let's start at the top because I think I think Badger fans, of course, you know, follow the Mac conference and and probably follow some of the bigger names in the conference and, and maybe tune in, you know, on Tuesday and Wednesday when Max is going on. But I don't know if maybe fans know the history of, of a school like Eastern Michigan. And I think a guy like Chris Creighton, the head coach, I, I personally think he's a really underrated coach across the country because I know um, Eastern Michigan, before him, really struggled in terms of, you know, had some dark years, you know, one-win seasons, two-win seasons. I know early in his tenure was a couple, you know, one- and two-win seasons, but he's taken them out now to, you know, their first bowl game 29 years, now taking them to three total. So what is it about him and and his coaching style that seems to work really well at an Eastern Michigan program that, for a while there, was uh, a really tough program uh, to find any success at?
1: Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, to kind of set the stage, when he came in, um, he came in on the hills of Ron English, the former Michigan defensive coordinator. And, and he had, uh, Ron English had one six and six season and everyone thought that he was the answer. Well, real quickly that went downhill and he was actually fired, uh, mid season for a, you know, kind of a rant in the locker room that, you know, got a little out of hand. Um, so when Chris Creighton came in, here's a guy coming from Drake University, you know, the non-scholarship FCS program. Not a lot of people knew about him, but he came in. Uh, Heather like the athletic director at the time, had kind of this vision, and he came in and just insta- instilled this discipline, you know, uh, blue-collar, hardworking, you know, on the sidelines they hold a 75-pound pipe wrench. The, the field is gray. It's called the factory. Um, and they're just going to go to work, and they're going to work hard, and things aren't going to be easy, and they're going to take credit for that, you know, and build things that way. Uh, one of the things he does is, you know, a lot of discipline. There's no cursing. You know, you, if you if you curse, uh, you're running, you know. So he does a lot of things in that regard that on the field and off the field has instilled that discipline and improved the program. And, you know, when he came in, it was a, a bowl game, was a pipe dream. Well now the last three or four years, Eastern Michigan football has been one of the more consistent Mac programs. maybe not a Mac championship contender, but we're talking five six, seven wins yearly and that was unheard of before in Ypsilanti.
0: yeah, it's it's really I, I love the the culture that it seems like he's established there. It seems to work really well and you know uh, you you mentioned the the blue collar, the scrappiness, the go to work type. Um, and, of course, in Chris Creighton's tenure at Eastern Michigan, the Eagles are 24-10 and 10 against the spread as road underdogs. In the last few years, they've upset Rutgers in 2017, Purdue in 2018, and Illinois in 2019 all on the road as those road underdogs. So, in this situation, coming in as a road underdog to Wisconsin is uh, it seems like a place that Eastern Michigan has done really well in, um, especially over the last few years, so is, is that scrappiness? Is that what kind of helps them, you know, come into these stadiums and basically play, um, like a team that, that isn't afraid of to come into a Big Ten, you know, stadium and, and try to wreak some havoc like they're going to do, uh, try to do on Saturday afternoon?
1: Well, yeah, I think a lot of it is they just, everywhere they go, they expect to win. You know, they're used to being the underdog. You know, these are a lot of players who weren't recruited by Power 5 programs. So they carry that chip on their shoulder and they really kind of cultivate that and use that to their advantage. And it, it's, you know, to, to win those three Big Ten games, they also came close to beating Pittsburgh in, in the Quick Lane Bowl. So it doesn't matter that they're not a Power Five team or they may not be the best of the Mac, uh, like, you know, maybe you'd expect the Buffalo or Toledo. They expect to come in and compete and they're gonna, they're gonna be in it for, or they expect to be in it for 60 minutes. Now, this Wisconsin team, is a different beast. If you talk, you know, Coach Coach Creighton, when he did his media availability this week, said this is the best team he's ever coached against. And it's a different, you know, it's a different animal than Rutgers or, or Illinois or Purdue. But still, I think they're preparing the same way. They're preparing to come in there and, and compete and be in the football game. And the thing is, Eastern Michigan, this is, you know, with the extra COVID year, it's an experienced bunch. So a lot of these guys on this roster have been part of that that team that went into Illinois and won that was part of the team that beat Purdue and a few of them maybe even were here when they beat Rutgers so they have that experience going into Camp Randall's a little again a little bit different beast but they're going to expect to play well and expect to compete.
0: Yeah they're they're certainly a team that you know I think by any metric you look around um, from the various publications Eastern Michigan's a team that is up there in terms of experience and experience charts and all that so this is a team that you certainly as As Wisconsin fans, you can't overlook. I know, of course, this game is sandwiched between uh, a bye week and then a contest with Notre Dame, but you've got to take care of business against uh, this team because, obviously, um, they they play the role of the underdog well. Um, One mind-blowing stat that I wanted to ask you about, the red zone on offense for Eastern Michigan. They have the longest active streak scoring. Is this correct? 33 of their last 33 red zone trips they put points up? Because if that's so, Wisconsin needs to take notes because they had – a lot of trouble this past weekend in the red zone
1: yeah that that is uh very much true uh, i think that is a byproduct of a couple of things uh you know they you know they have some packages where to get some playmakers in down by the goal line last year is jarius grissom this year uh it's samson evans uh you also have you know mobile quarterbacks who give you some different looks down there um and also experienced offensive line so you know it's some different things and honestly probably some luck built in and a, a very strong kicking game with Chad Ryland. But, yeah, that's an impressive streak. Uh, you know, and it, it's going to be tough to continue that at Wisconsin, but definitely something to look to and, and hope for. But, yeah, they uh, it's one of the more impressive streaks that I've seen kind of under the radar. Great coaching.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I saw that. I think I saw you retweeted it, and um, it, I was just mind-blown at that because, of course, Wisconsin last week, 1-4 in the red zone really it pays to to take advantage of those opportunities down there and and Eastern Michigan has certainly shown the capability to do so certainly something to watch for on Saturday afternoon and evening so let's get into this year's team I know of course you know some some fans out there may follow the Mac and may know some of these teams but um, or some of these players Preston Hutchinson of course at quarterback um, is a name that some Badger fans might be familiar with but who are some of the names and, and star players that Badger fans need to be aware of um, on either side of the ball?
1: Well, I know, uh, you know, we, we had talked a little bit beforehand about this, but uh, Ben Bryant uh, is the quarterback of former Wisconsin Commit, went to Cincinnati, backed up Desmond Ritter. He actually is seemingly in a two-quarterback system with Hutchinson right now, so we'll see how that works out. Um, Coach Creighton, in his media availability this week, said he's not sure who is going to start, so that's something to watch. Um, Bryant was a little bit better passing the ball in the opener, but they only passed it, I think it was like 19 times, so not a lot of passing. Um, they have a group of running backs, uh, Darius Boone. He was a highly touted recruit. They beat out some power fives for him. He went for over 100 yards in the opener. Jawan Hamilton was a freshman at uh, UCF. I think it was either 2015 or 2016. Had some injuries, got a COVID year. Um, he's a speedster. He had uh, 77 yards in the opener. And Samson Evans, a third running back, a former Iowa transfer, he had three touchdowns on just 13 yards rushing. So I think two of them were from one yard out and one was from two yards out. So those were some guys to watch in the backfield. Uh, at receiver, Hassan Bedoun is a former walk-on. He was awarded a scholarship. He's got good speed. Um, he's more of a slot type but he'll be somebody who'll probably walk out of that football game with eight or nine receptions. Uh, Dylan Drummond, he's a wide receiver. He was banged up last year. Um, he's back healthy this year. The last time he was healthy, 2019, he had 55 receptions. They had two tight ends, Bryson Cannon, who's more of a receiver, and Thomas Rikoye, um, who is uh, actually from the Netherlands, which is interestingly enough, and he's the team captain, more of a blocker. Um, along the offensive line, Michael Van Hoven is an experienced center. And then you got, uh, City Sal, uh, who's actually going to be probably a pro prospect at the end of the year. So those are some guys offensively. Um, defensively up front, uh, Wu Scott's a big body. He's going to be tested against that Wisconsin line. Uh, Teron Rush is a senior captain uh, He's probably the most talented Defensive lineman uh, He's come a long way I think when you look at Eastern Michigan It kind of gets overlooked But they have some strong defensive linemen Come through that program Pat O'Connor, he's in the NFL Max Crosby, he's in the NFL I'd expect Teron Rush to be part of that conversation uh, Tyreek Spates uh, Terry Myrick Those are talented linebackers Who are going to be tested Against the Wisconsin size up front and, uh, you know, what? interestingly enough, they have a player, uh, Noski LaFleur. He's a safety. He was banged up this spring. He didn't play last week against St. Francis, but he's listed on the depth chart this week. He's an all-MAC performer, so it'll be interesting to see if he actually plays. Uh, Freddie McGee had a strong week last week at the corner position. And then uh, the specials, uh, Jake Julian, you know, Big Ten country, everyone likes punters. Jake Julian, talented punter. He's been drafted to the Canadian Football League already. And uh, Chad Ryland, he, uh, you know, in his uh, third or fourth year making big kicks now, he hit the kick to uh, beat Purdue and also the kick to beat Illinois. So he's not going to be intimidated in uh, Cam Brando.
0: To, to go to what this offense kind of looks like for, for Badger fans to kind of get prepped, I know it's it's based off last year's numbers, a, a pretty balanced attack in terms of, of, of running the ball and throwing the ball, and you mentioned the two-quarterback system. This past week, you, you kind of hinted at it. Not a huge passing attack um, in, in the opener, and, and similar to Wisconsin, really controlled the time of possession. Uh, Looks like 34 minutes of time of possession for Eastern Michigan in that opener. So what's kind of the style of play that Eastern Michigan likes to go with uh, offensively?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be so run-based usually as what we saw against St. Francis. Now, don't get me wrong, they like to run the football. Uh, Coach Creighton's a Midwest football guy, so they do like to run the ball. But they usually pass it a little bit more. I don't know if that was, you know, trying not to show too much against uh, St. Francis or just trying to be respectful of St. Francis and not pass with a big lead. Um, So, you know, they can pass a little bit more. They have talented receivers on the outside. Um, So I was a little surprised they didn't try more passing. Um, But definitely I would say a run-first type of offense. Um, that's why I think when you look at, you know, the over, under on this game and all that, I think both teams are more methodical and it's going to be hard, um, you know, unless Wisconsin just gets away with it, but it's going to be hard to really see them approach that under, I mean, that over with both teams being uh, very ball control heavy. Um, so I, I would imagine they're still going to try to run the ball, but I think you're going to see a little bit more passing. Uh, I don't think you saw the full offense in the opener from EMU.
0: Yeah, makes sense to, to try and keep some of that off tape before, of course, a, a big Week 2 matchup that way. Um, to flip to the defensive side of the ball, you've, you've mentioned some names, of course, but what do you think are, are kind of the strengths and weaknesses of this uh, of this Eastern Michigan unit?
1: Well, I'd say the strength is it's an experienced bunch, you know, and I I mentioned Teron Rush early and Wu Scott and Jose Ramirez and they have some depth up front and it's all guys who have played three or four years in the system already. So they're very familiar, um, you know, with the challenges that they're going to face, um, well conditioned linebackers, you know, they're, they're not going to tire out on you. Um, but this is a unit which had some bad numbers last year, you know. I think when you look at it, uh, they struggled against the run and they struggled against the pass. They allowed way too many big plays. So when you're going against the vaunted, you know, Wisconsin, a large offensive line, that run game, and then you're also looking at Graham Mertz, who, you know, love him or hate him or whatever's going on out there in Madison, he's still probably probably going to be the best quarterback that EMU faces this year. So we are going to find out a lot about this team this year. Have they improved from last year? Can they make that stop? Can they limit the big play? And I don't think, you know, you can really look at what happened against St. Francis and draw any conclusions because that's a middle of the road FCS school. So this will kind of tell us something. If they can hang in there and get a couple of third down stops against Wisconsin, you know, then you can kind of start looking at this as, okay, maybe this defense will be Okay. But if you're going off of what happened last year in the abbreviated season, it got to be a little concerned.
0: All right, to wrap it up here, uh, let's get what's maybe a matchup that you're looking for or, or keeping an eye on in this game to, to possibly allow EMU to hang around or, or keep it tight. You know, I, I know um, that 26-point spread is something. Uh, it seems like they're a team that with that experience and, and the way things, uh, they just the culture that you've talked about, I think keeping it within that number is certainly a very high possibility as well as the under, like you mentioned. But what's maybe a matchup you'll be watching for EMU, and and if you want, uh, throw out a score prediction for us.
1: Well, I think as far as the key matchup, uh, for me, I'd probably say the Wisconsin offensive line against the eastern defensive line, uh, you know, not just for the importance of this game, but also moving forward. This is going to be a big test for that bunch. Uh, you know, I know Wisconsin year in and year out has a great offensive line. You look at the sizes, and that's got the opportunity for that offensive line to just swallow up the Eastern Michigan defenders. So can they get pressure on Mertz? Can they stand strong against the run? Can they hold up the run for the linebackers to come up in support? Uh That's going to be real fascinating to see. Um I hope Teron Rush can have a big week because I think if he does, you know, you start hearing some NFL buzz about him potentially. Um, But as far as the score prediction, you know, I I know the last time uh, Wisconsin played a max school Central Michigan in 2019, and they won by 60-some points, you know, it could go that way. I don't think it does. I think Eastern Michigan's gritty enough, tough enough, where they'll stand in there. And I look at that 26-point spread. You know, Wisconsin can, will probably win by double digits, but I think there's going to be some points in this game where Wisconsin fans, you know, are kind of on the edge of their seats and not just to jump around. You know, they're going to be a little bit nervous at some points, I think, because I think Easton will come in there and give a fight, but, but I still think Wisconsin can win this game by two scores. I just don't think it'll be the 26 point total, um, that Vegas is expecting.
0: Yeah, I think this is a great test for Wisconsin as they try to move forward here after that loss, uh, of course, get ready for a big contest with Notre Dame. I think that taking down and, and facing off with a scrappy bunch like this will, will certainly um, pay dividends for them and, and keep them um, you know, not looking ahead too far, too far because if you do, you might get tripped up. We've seen teams, of course, fall to this program before. Zach, we really appreciate you taking the time. Um, We'd love to have you on and chatting some EMU football. Uh, Enjoy the game Saturday.
1: Thank you. You as well. It's been great. Thank you.
0: All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another episode of the podcast, as always, on Wisconsin.